0: All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? This is Mark Marin. This is WTF. This is my podcast. Welcome. Yes, my voice is compromised. Uh, yes, I'm not happy about it. Yes, I am in New York City on a uh, press trip for, for Marin Season 4 that starts Wednesday night, May 4th. The fourth season of my show on IFC starts this Wednesday, 9 p.m. I'm very excited about it. I know some of you are probably thinking like, all right, you know you, your, your voice sounds shitty. Why, uh, why are you doing a show? Can't you just uh, throw in a greatest hit show or whatever. That's not what we do. That is not how Brendan and I have designed this show. We go uh, we go no matter what. The show must go on. I am not thrilled about this. I'm fucking livid to be honest with you. And I know when you get sick, you're supposed to relax, but it's very hard for me to relax when I'm sick because I'm fucking furious. I came to New York. I mean, I got literally got sick. I came on the morning that I got on the airplane to come here, and I rarely lose my voice this bad. I'm kind of fucking panicked, to be honest with you. I have to do Charlie Rose today. I have to do the Tonight Show tomorrow, and uh, if if my voice is too fucked to do either of those things, huh? It's very hard, you know, sometimes in my mind to just accept that these things happen. They happen to everybody. Everybody's been in this situation. The timing may may not be optimal for having a uh, a, a not a, a not deadly illness that could compromise a couple events. But uh, I can't help but take it personally. This is yeah. I don't I don't generally believe in some god or 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 higher being that that sort of that dictates the day-to-day for all of us but in moments where i think that i've been fucked or bad luck is upon me that's when i believe those are the moments that i believe in god is when like why the fuck is this happening oh i get it it's the god that i don't that i don't generally believe in coming down on me for not being something what what could i possibly be punished for how bad of a person am i i'm not fucking donald trump i'm not fucking you know ted bundy you know why why would get and why would that be the punishment you know what i'm gonna do i'm not i'm not gonna really hurt him i'm just gonna fuck up his week and a couple of pretty big opportunities for him just to remind him that uh that you know sometimes he irritates me no the the truth of the matter is is that I got a fucking cold. A lot of people have gotten colds. And uh, it just so happens that I'm on a trip. I got Sarah with me. So I don't know who you are, what you do when you get sick, or what kind of baby you become, what kind of child you regress back to. But my default when it comes to being a child is usually the belligerent, stubborn, mean one. I don't know why I can't just become the whiny, needy, Uh, willing to accept comfort one that one just does not uh, doesn't have a voice within me I imagine it's the same voice it's just a different way to handle it and the way I choose to handle it the belligerent stubborn and mean way uh, can sort of guarantee that whoever's uh, dealing with me has a hell of a challenge on their hands and it could be a painful process so in other words I'll be amazed if my relationship lasts through this week which uh, I returned to l a on Wednesday. I'm saying that sarcastically, but uh, and I'm trying to manage the shit because now she got sick too. so now we're we're basically we come to New York, and we've we've done some fun things, but it's like we're both in in some sort of uh, you know, mild hospice over here. it's a It's a small room, and uh, we're both sick, blowing our noses, spitting out gook. She hurt her foot. It's one of those memorable vacations, one of those ones where if you get through it, you'd be like, you remember that horrible trip to New York? Man, that was bad. I love you. I love you, too. Or uh, that, that trip to New York, that's, that tipped the scales. That was it. Neither one of us could deal with each other after that. So exciting. Exc- where will this end? Where does this story take us, huh? So yeah, today on the show, I've got a, it's, a, it's sort of a doubleheader. I've got Gary Marshall, uh, director of many a movie, uh, brother of Penny, creator of Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, Mork and Mindy, TV giant, also an actor that you've seen on Louis show, also one of my favorite comedy moments in the history of film. He's on the show. And in a couple of minutes, I do a little uh, short talk with uh, open Mike Eagle, Mike Eagle, hip-hop artist, rapper. He was really my... uh, I had him on the show years ago, uh, I don't know when exactly it was now, and uh, he had mentioned me in one of his raps, and I am a sort of, uh, not ignorant, but you know, I only know mainstream rap. so Mike Eagle years ago came over and educated me on the world of uh, alt-rap, basically, and uh, he recently had me on his podcast, and then he, uh, I knew, he gave me his new record, which I enjoyed, so I thought, well, come on over, let's talk a little bit about the new record. What else do I need to tell you, huh? Oh, a couple of things. I did a movie a while back, and uh, it was called Frank and Cindy. The director G J Ektern Camp uh, is known for this weird kind of YouTube documentary he did about his mother, uh, who was married to a a one hit wonder bass player, uh, and that's called Frank and Cindy. But then he did a fictional version called Frank and Cindy, and he wanted me to play his real father not the stepfather played by Oliver Platt or the mother played brilliantly by Renee Russo, but the guy who lives out in the desert, and I did it. But then there was a year or so where I didn't know what happened in the movie. There were problems of some kind or another, and did it ever make it out? Who knows? But now I find out it's out on Netflix, and I watched it. I watched myself in a movie, and it was pretty good. I was pretty happy with me, and the movie's very cute. So if you're interested in that um you should go watch it Frank and Cindy is available on netflix i've also been told that the uh the get a job movie that uh you know has been mentioned on this show by many people who were in it uh as never possibly ever coming out uh is out in places you can rent it on most digital on-demand platforms i have no idea how i did in that movie but that's out and i know it's sort of a a subtextual narrative to this show because I talked to you know, Anna Kendrick and uh, Alison Brie a lot of people that were in that movie so now I hear it's out and available I have no idea, get back to me let me know how I did in that movie uh, and also before I forget I'd like to plug my upcoming Tripany shows you can see those dates it's going to be Tuesdays in May and June you can go to wtfpod.com slash tour and uh, come down it's a cheap ticket benefits the uh, theater I usually have an opener with me I believe the first night, uh, May tenth, Dean Del Rey is going to be there, and uh, you know work through some stuff. Okay, is that is that good? Are we good? <laughs> All right. So what, why don't we do this now? Why don't we? Uh, obviously, I can't manufacture that. Uh, you know, I'm I'm in the garage or not sick, but uh, uh, let's go now to my conversation with uh, with Mike Eagle. His new album, Hella Personal Film Festival, uh, is a collaboration between uh, Open Mike Eagle and paul white you can also hear his podcast secret skin i appeared on the last one that he's doing in this version but this is me and uh, mike eagle mike eagle what happened what 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 is it what, what how the the thing i did where
1: you go oh uh, i went great uh did you get any feedback? Tell, tell me about me first. Um, it, everybody loves how vulnerable you were being, which is surprising to me because how else was anybody expecting you to be uh-huh i have no idea what yeah. people's expectations were. I go,
0: well maybe they don't know me at all well yeah. that's i mean they listen to your show they're like oh this is that guy yeah that Ooh. mike likes that we don't understand
1: i'm sure there's a small segment of my listenership that was like that but i think there were more people who had never listened at all maybe that, right that, that heard this episode right yeah i know my podcast network was more excited about this when they tend to be about my my oh, usual you, indie rap guests oh you mean you think some of my people went over there i think a few
0: well i'm glad that uh, i'm glad that it went well so now you're here I am. so what's going on in in your life because like is this the last is this record the one after the last one that i uh, that i got yes so it's, it's been like a couple years before you since you put out a record
1: uh yeah well yeah 2014 was the last solo album and this is the next this is the next but one you've here. been working yeah always always So what does that mean just kind of show up on people's records uh i put out an ep last year um and uh yeah and showing up other people's records and
0: yeah am i wrong in feeling that like last the last record it was about you know not mundane stuff but your kids right and being a dad and you know the regular life that was a a little darker this
1: record i think it is a little darker i would agree yeah right it's a lot more inward a lot not inward but inward yeah yeah well what's going on all types of stuff, man. I just, I just came out of a therapy session this morning. You know, like it's going down. When did
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's, going down. it's going
1: down? Is that what? How long is this the first time you've been in therapy? No, I went in college, but it was useless. For uh-huh. me then. It wasn't, I didn't treat it correctly. Uh-huh. I was in there just making shit up almost. Oh, really? in college. You, what, you felt like you had to go? You, why'd you go? I think I was just curious. Uh-huh. And oh, really? Yeah, and then I got there and I was like, oh, I can just tell this guy anything. <laughs> sure. I just made up shit to Your be- Your dime. About. Yeah. Well, it was the school's dime. Right, the time, right. Yeah.
0: So, and- What's going on with the uh, with your life that you felt like you had to go to therapy and, and, and exercise some demons on this record? Even the cover, I believe, <laughs> hella personal
1: film festival. Yeah. Can you give me... what's And who's this other guy, Paul White? Paul White, he made all the beats, so he did all the music on the album, and I did all the words. How old's your kid now? He is seven. So shit's getting kind of real, right, for you? Yeah, I guess shit's kind of always real. It's just how... How real am I treating it uh-huh. in any particular moment? So when you so you've been in therapy for a little while, what yeah. what what compelled you? Uh just feeling kind of dark. Just dark feelings in general. Like when everything is quiet and, yeah. and I get to a, that that baseline understanding of how do I feel in this moment? Yeah. Like, it's not good. Oh no, really? You know? and, like and, like uh, dread or sadness or despair uh, or yeah, just anxiety. There's a certain weight. And there's some anxiety too, but just even after the anxiety is dealt with, because the anxiety is usually about specific things. Right. Um, after that, there's a um, there's a weight. Yeah. There's a heft. Oh. That, oh um, it's a yeah. I, I know that one. It's sort of like right
0: below your heart, between yeah. your heart heart and your stomach. Yeah, man. And, and when you talk, it, it it feels like it
1: might turn into crying. Ugh. How about it? Yeah. <laughs> can't can't say that that's unfamiliar territory for me, Mark. I can't can't say that.
0: Do you think it's uh it's bio it's like a chemical thing or you you feel like you're you're reworking your brain with the therapist?
2: Well, I think I just have a lot of
1: unprocessed stuff from childhood. Mm. Um, and That some of it made it on the record. Oh yeah, of course it always does. Well, let's 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 talk about what you were working through on this record. Like you know, what what, why the title? Uh, Hella Personal Film Festival because uh, just at one point when I looked over what we had made to that point, Mm -hmm. I saw that each one of these songs kind of had a little premise to it. Yeah, some little weird idea that I was uh basing my writing around and i'm like oh these are like little tiny movies oh yeah okay okay put them all together like that and why the uh the, the 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 sort of grim uh cover what is what's this art uh, my guy, Frohawk Two Feathers. He's a world-renowned artist, but he just uh, was this a, for the record, or no, you were just he, sort of I like that piece. Yeah, I like that piece. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, there's a lot going on here. Yeah, there's a guy in a and uh, in, in, in kind of voodoo uh, face paint and, and, and with and a, a fez and a fez, and he's playing uh, he's playing some percussion there while a man and a woman look like they're about to have a sword fight. Oh, is that a man and a woman? I believe that's a man and a woman. I I saw it as two different types of women. Oh, Okay. But maybe you're right. Yeah, I see it as a man and a woman, but I that I could be projecting that, and I didn't ask him. So, maybe oh, really? I really? Ask him.
0: Oh man. So I think this is open to interpretation. You yeah, got, and I you,
1: prefer things to be that
0: way. Yeah. You got voodoo death guy wearing a fez, playing conga drums, and then you got a, a woman in what seems to be some traditional tribal garb with a saber. That's mm-hmm. the way I look at it, and then a woman who's dressed like a modern lady, yeah, who I believe is white, yeah,
1: believe with she's another saber, as well. yeah. Hmm. I thought that was a guy though but I could be wrong oh real. man now it's with I'm right it's fucked up it, maybe it is but I chose it either way yeah so you know that could be my subconscious so this is your entrance into well. the record because I believe in record covers mm-hmm. and the first song is admitting the endorphin addiction yeah man but who doesn't have that? I think everybody has it, but this was this character coming to this realization. Oh, it's a character now. Well, it's me, kind of. You, you songwriters with your characters. <laughs> yeah. we, are, we afford ourselves a little bit of license, uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know? Yeah, sure. It's
0: a trick. <laughs> I was very upset when I found that out, because I just assumed everybody who's singing the song, he wrote it about himself, and then, uh, then I got proved wrong by some pretty good songwriters. So
1: you're telling me this character, not you- well, I mean, it's all based on feelings that have happened, right? You know, truly inside of me, right? But I, I expound on them in ways that it helps me to say that this is a character because every bit of it isn't exactly true inside. Of course, Of course, of course, right? You
0: know? Yeah, yeah. Not everybody has to speak from the first person. Right? You're afforded the uh, the luxury of just making up stuff.
1: Yeah, now in rap, that's not expected though. People do expect you to be telling your personal truth on every... Breaking story. the rules. Yeah, So, but that's you know, the other reason for me to call it a film thing. So yeah. Like, okay, well fuck that. I'm doing it this way.
0: But, right, but it was it you like maybe, like maybe you didn't want to be people think you're too fucked up in certain ways because like the stuff you talk about again is not you know just run-of-the-mill stuff you I mean you seem to you want to you want to dig a little deeper and define things in a in a more uh nuanced way more
1: self-aware in a way right but uh i did i do do a thing on this album where some songs i'm like that's me and uh-huh. other songs i'm like that's not all the way me. Yeah, and uh, maybe there's some 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 bullshitting going on there. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe some of that's happening.
0: And I like the in like you, that you you continue the 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 movie theme. You know, even in the titles. Yeah, yeah. Quirky race doc. Yeah, man. Smiling. Uh huh. I don't I don't, know, I don't know if I I, I like I can't I'm, I can't sing the songs for you. So I'm gonna. Sing. <laughs> I listened to it last night, but I cannot sing the songs for you.
1: But I, I, I didn't want to do a disservice to you. I would have loved to have heard you try. Oh. That would have just tickled me to death.
0: I, You know, I like it, I, I but it's like I, I I, like it. I like the record. I like, you know, I like a rap in general from what I listen to, and my girlfriend's real into it, and she sort of grew up liking it, but it's a different listening muscle. It
1: very is. Very much is.
0: Like, she knows all the words without even, like, having
1: to be, like, I would have to sit there mm-hmm. with the words and you know work on them it's tough the word economy in rap music it's it's a lot coming at you yeah it's a, and if you're not if you're not used to listening on that level yeah it's hard
0: now you have two songs two two uh uh
1: raps dealing with insecurity what is that okay the first one mm-hmm. uh it's like a guy and a girl and uh, i don't know what it is about this relationship but yeah. apparently there's some sort of a uh, perceived dishonesty and this this guy always. telling... always yeah. <laughs> this guy is telling this girl um, you can tell me anything. Mm-hmm. I, 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 no judgment here. Just, just let it out. Let's create this strong foundation of truth. I'm here for you. Yeah. And then she says something. And he's like, "But you, you, you don't have to say it like that." I mean, I, I know it's you know it's yeah. it's a difficult conversation, but you don't have to. And then he starts to get offended, and by the end, he's just like, "Fuck it, just lie to me." Yeah, you know yeah, me? yeah. And it's all just based on his insecurity. Oh, yeah. And is that well? That's something everybody feels. I certainly have felt it. Yeah. So, yeah, I wanted to...
0: I just let some of those things, because I'm getting older, and some of that type of insecurity just turn into complete defensiveness. Hmm. Like, I know it's there, but like it's like maybe maybe that's not something that's going to get worked through. So, what do you How do? How old are you now?
1: I'm 35.
0: Yeah, and you're going to the shrink. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I I don't know if it's... Uh, I don't think it's giving up, but I, there's some things like I'm starting to realize, like, yeah, maybe I'm not going to unfuck that.
1: Maybe... Hmm. <laughs> Jesus Christ.
0: <laughs> Maybe No, I'm, I'm not saying big things, but you know, so, some things you got... Self-acceptance is very important on all levels, right. right? So if even if you're flawed, which we all are, or you have problems, the first step is like, all right, this is me, and I got some issues with this. Right. But if you're like, you know, if, if you don't have that groundwork of self-acceptance, some things you can just make a little better and you train yourself differently. Yeah, I'm not trying to be negative.
1: No, I got you. I, I think I get it because you can strive... To have some type, some sort of like perfect self or perfect relationship. But that's relationship. A, that's exactly and, but, the problem. Yeah, but that's that's not ever really going to happen. A lot of people do that though, yeah,
0: and and that to me that keeps you in a state of like perm- always thinking you're not right. Right. Like you, you know, you're right. You just want to get better. Right. And, and if you're always thinking like, oh, I just gotta, if I only, yeah, you know what I mean? Even if it's for mental health reasons, you spend your whole life, you realize like how much life you get. Right. Yeah. And wh- how would I like to spend,
1: maybe spend a little of that thinking like, no, I'm okay. As opposed to like, fuck, if I could just fix this. But it's like, it's hard to know which flaws are ones that you can truly be happy. Yeah. Uh, oh, which ones are the obstacles to that? Yeah.
2: You yeah. know? Yeah. Like, yeah.
1: So like this, this guy in this song is coming from this place of like. Maybe in the past I've just been a jealous piece of shit, and and I feel like I could be more sophisticated and deal with the truth or whatever's going on in this situation. Right, and he comes to find out he is not. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he's absolutely <laughs> not able to deal at all. You know, but uh, but who knows at the end of this if this person is going to be able to have a satisfying relationship if they can't accept the reality of what's going on, uh, if they need to be lied to, if they need these filters and obstacles. Right. And so much of this shit is just childhood shit, just like being a baby. Mine certainly is. And that's that's pretty much every therapy session is coming back to. Yeah. You know, most therapists going, you fucking baby. (laughs) Well, actually, it's (laughs) it's the therapist going, like, oh, yeah, you went through some weird shit. So it makes sense that that you feel weird. Oh, yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. You can track it. Yeah. Well, she's helping. Did you write about going to the shrink in a wrap? No, because at the time when because
0: uh, that doesn't seem like you and I, you know, I'm, I'm I'm presumptuous, but that doesn't seem to be a a sort of um, a common trope in black culture or rap music. Yeah, no, it's not
1: the visits to the psychiatrist or the psychologist. Yeah, it's a tough thing to talk about inside of, of our community. We tend to hide shit like that and just not talk about it.
0: Well, how's it? How does this stuff affect uh, your work and and your relationship with your kid?
1: Uh, I feel like it's good. I feel like I feel like a lot of my attempts to be very present in the life of my kid or in response to mm-hmm. what i felt like was lacking in my life yeah so i feel like that part is okay yeah you know but i do like i leave a lot i'm on the road a lot you know? how's that going uh, it's going well how's the uh how's the uh draw Uh it's getting better yeah it's getting better man i'm i'm still in like 250 cap rooms but i'm putting 200 people in them oh that's so good. that looks better than it used to that's good yeah and and who are what are the crowds like uh young americans man they look they look all kind of different ways and you, you tour know? with a bunch of guys or what no i mean i have different artists that i do tour with occasionally yeah, yeah. but uh I, i'm a I, i'm a solo guy i do my my thing on stage pretty much by myself
0: what's it okay let's go through some more songs a short about a
1: guy that dies every night yeah so that's literally this idea i had like what would it be like for this 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 dude just to die every night like what would that mean like what would it like mean? groundhog day but bad <gasps> kind of like yeah exactly <laughs> like groundhog's day but but sad and never really getting happier like <laughs> i'm glad you're going therapy <laughs> <laughs> i just i don't know something about that seemed poetic to me and there's this little bit of like this little tiny bit of like police brutality murdered black man stuff in that too. oh yeah like just a hint of that like but it's it. It was mostly just this literal idea about hmm, imagining this guy that dies every night. Like, wow, what's his spirit like? since he dies every night, what does it mean to die if you die every night? Well, do you know it every day? You know it every day. He wakes up knowing he's gonna die as soon as the sun goes down. So he's gotta get some shit done, he, or not. He's gonna die either way, you uh, know. Uh, and what kind of shit, bad or good shit? Yeah, exactly. That's just the Groundhog's Day thing. But we don't. We don't. I don't too much discuss what his choices are during the day. It's not a morality thing. But it should be. So maybe there'll be a part two to that one. Maybe it will be <laughs> a sequel. The Curse of Hypervigilance. Oh, okay. So that one's like a horror movie Yeah. about being around a guy who thinks he knows everything. Right. So the the first verse, he's like, he thinks he knows everything about like conspiracy theories in the political system. So he doesn't like... He got, he the can, worst kind. Yes. He talks shit about every candidate. Like that right. kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And the second verse, he's like, He's like in a relationship, and he just thinks he knows everything going on in the girl's head or whatever. And right, he's annoying and right. you know, like
0: completely self-involved, terrified, control freak guy, and
1: paranoid. Yeah, so just the so so hyper vigilant as to induce paranoia. Wow, well, that's not a good character type. It's not. It's not fun.
0: Well, it's a, it's like it's a guy that invents a religion every day for himself to. <laughs>
1: That's deep, Mark. <laughs> it's
0: deep. <laughs> you know, this thorough belief system based on paranoia. Yeah. That that enables him to to deal.
1: Yeah, and, and it's self-fulfilling prophecy every day. Sure. You know, and, you, know you don't do anything because you're convinced everything's already broken and fucked, you know?
0: what's What do you think's the most powerful song on the record?
1: Powerful. Well, I mean, uh-huh. like, what's the single, man? Okay, the single's Check the Check because it's, it's cute. Mm -hmm. it's about how I check my phone all the time and how my phone's checking for updates all the time and I'm getting checks in the mail and checking, 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 checking stuff. Got that. a hook, yeah. It's got a yeah. You know, a little play on words. People are into those. A little play on words. All right. Well, we'll play that one. Okay.
0: And uh, I want you to find out, just out of curiosity, if it's not going to be too much of a buzzkill, whether this is a man or a woman on the cover of <laughs> your own record. I may not ask. You're right. <laughs> and uh, I always, as always, I wish you nothing but the best, Mike.
1: Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it, man. Yeah.
2: about the wrap. Hey, hold up. Uh, hey you. I won't work without checking my phone first. Put it down for my son while well, I'm checking his homework. The world's in my palm, so I'm checking the whole earth. The thumbnail I use who so swipe on my phone hurts, huh? Checking at ballpark, checking at Walmart. If it was a cat, I would checking my golf card. I'm watching football, then I check every ball start, huh? I live in check to check, I keep checking, living from. 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 Check to check, I keep checking. Incoming calls directly rejected. If you wanna talk, suggest you leave a message I check, check, check like every three seconds I'm recording right now and I'm checking between checks. Every notification that my phone machine makes I put it down whenever, but it's never a clean break I should get a heavy phone and pretend it's a freeway I'm checking the red lights like school nurse Check for headlights like sound men Check for dead mics just like I'm merging Checking the left lane, I'm trying to get home So I can check if my check came Checking if what I sent looks poorly written But did that dude holler back? No, of course he did And my laptop don't sleep Opening shut case, I'm checking for man while it's checking for updates my timeline's popping ain't talking to you look my man dar adam straight dropping the jewels i should reduce my check count to a moderate You but watch pot don't boil so my water stay cool yeah. Yeah. Check your living from check to check to keep checking battery getting low But it's not quite out yet. So check I'm in your house now checking for outlets I need to use maps cuz I don't know the route yet I need to see an email I don't know when the sound check Yeah, I should have rolled it all down from the outset I'm all under your couch. I really gotta figure this out Is this an outlet hit on the ground? Yes, I'm back in the game back in the game I'm back in the game back in the game I'm living from check to check it keep checking living from check to check to keep checking living from check control you all day all night you will check me constantly you may never
0: turn me off or put me down if you do i will come hunting for you humans no longer rule the world machines do you silly human sucker have <laughs> dig it man good groove am i right am i that was mike eagle uh all right right now uh, it was it was fun it was very fun to talk to gary marshall his new movie Mother's Day is now in theaters and uh We had a nice conversation in the uh, garage there. He was very uh, happy to come over, and I was happy to see him. So this is me and Gary Marshall. We actually met once before.
3: Yeah, I keep thinking. I look at you. You
0: You know when it was? Where did we meet? We did. I used to host a show on Comedy Central years ago uh, in New York called Short Attention Span Theater. And I uh, maybe I don't know how it came to you. Was it serious? Or, and it was a, it was a full hour interview that oh. we did around uh, uh, the uh, the e- the Exit to Eden movie. Oh, not my biggest hit. <laughs> and it, it's sort of amazing when you look at the you know the, the I don't even know if you call it a, a resume the the amazing history of Gary Marshall. Yeah,
3: but. I have no problems, I have no regrets, and, no uh, that's good. Really.
0: do you remember like uh like where, where where'd you come from originally? came from
3: the Bronx? you don't notice I
0: talk funny, but I no, I know to, that <laughs> yeah, but you grew up in the Bronx, you were born grew in, the Bronx. Up in the Bronx yeah, and uh wait what what what' did your old man do what what kind in, of childhood
3: he was no it wasn't bad he was in an advertising. But more important, my mother was a dance teacher. She was a working mother when I Uh grew up. So she taught dancing, and there were no uh, babysitters in those days. So yeah, I couldn't dance so good, but she made me the drummer. So I... (laughs) Six years old and five, I was drumming. Uh-huh. And then keeping uh, the
0: beat for the for the keep, little girl. Yeah, she
3: hit me on the head to keep the beat. And, <laughs> that, uh, that's your starting show business. That was my start. My mother was very funny, but um, I always remember. I didn't know what the hell she was talking about. Uh-huh. But she said, "This kid, mm, this, this kid, there's there's a zip, there's a magic there, there's something." <laughs> yeah. And to this day, I look for that and I find it very often. Did right? you learn how to dance at least? I was no good. My two sisters danced and actually danced on the Jackie Gleason with the June Taylor dancers. Oh did they uh, Penny did? Penny and Ronnie. They were the junior. Oh uh, yeah. Did they come
0: out with present them as the junior dancers? Were they kids or no? They were No they were kids. Well oh, yeah. they were teens like 13, uh-huh. you know, twelve, thirteen,
3: fourteen.
0: So what what uh, what was the beginning for you in, in legitimate show business?
3: Legitimate I went to uh uh, I was a sports editor of the Dewitt Clinton News, which is the high school in the Bronx where all the writers went. Yeah, uh, Stan Lee, Neil Simon, Arthur Miller—you know those guys. Not, oh, you near know, Simon. We well, knew New York. Yeah, and yeah. I do know Stan Lee now. Oh, we're, yeah? We
0: have a, Were you in the same class apart? No, they were. Old. he was older than me. But they all went there, huh? They all were there. So after high school, you were writing sports, but when did you start writing uh, uh, jokes? My father, my mother was very funny. My father wasn't, but he said
3: I should get out of the Bronx, so I went to Northwestern University in, in Chicago, Chicago uh-huh. to get out of the Bronx, and I loved it there. And, it's a great uh, city. Yeah, I love Chicago. I needed a place where I—I I was now by now not a bad drummer. At least could work. Oh, really? So I knew I, I didn't want to. Uh, I—we didn't have much money, so I—I I, I knew. If I went to a college near a city, I yeah. could play drums, which the way it ended up, played a lot around like Chicago. supper clubs and stuff. Yeah, and I, I was the I was a fraternity. It was a part ATO combo. We played proms all over. Oh Chicago. yeah, so with a
0: couple of guys from the frat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's and why I
3: joined the frat. Yeah, I yeah. was going to Northwestern or Missouri. I figured that where am I going to play in Missouri? They right, right, know. right. I didn't play. Cowboy music,
0: so I, Northwestern, right. I played, and there's they, a lot of clubs, right? There's a lot. Oh of, a, yeah, a Mr. Lot, Kelly's was. Right? There. Mr. Kelly's, that's where yeah. uh, a lot of like comics used to play Mr. Kelly's, yeah,
3: too, right? Oh, I think
0: and Newhart was did one of his for Mort saul right? Yeah. Like shelly Berman. Well, they were there. I, I'll tell you a story nobody ever
3: asked me. What I, there was, I was with a jazz quartet, Bobo and Owen, Bobo and jazz quartet. It was pretty good. Yeah. And we headlined this place, uh, the Compass Room. And the other acts were these uh, funny improvists. Nobody knew what it was. And I was fascinated by them. You know, we were all being cool. We we were the closing act. They were the opening act. And we... Would go in the alley. They'd go in the alley. I would stay and watch, and it was Nichols and May, Andrew Duncan, yep. and Shelly Berman, the Those Compass Players, the, four, the Compass Players, right. I was the band opening for them.
0: They opened for and you. They you opened mean.
3: for me. I mean, that's what I kept. The about. Yeah, they didn't talk much uh-huh. to the band. Yeah, and we didn't talk to them at all. But, but you were uh, hanging out back in the alley. I came in from the alley every night to watch them.
0: Yeah, and how? Uh, how was that? A what? A week gig or a weekend? Or how long? did you I played two weeks so was that did, did that spark anything in you i mean like it, it, comedically did you did you oh, realize, it,
3: I, t- I never saw this kind of yeah you know, yeah what is going i later became friends with Mike Nichols he said don't tell that story too much it sounds too long ago I said no you were a kid Mike I was very old <laughs>
0: yeah but, uh, no it sparked a lot in me a yeah, different it, form yeah it must have been amazing because that's really where Nichols and May came into their thing Shelley Berman too I guess yeah, yeah. he didn't do phone
3: stuff even then no they I
0: did I, straight improv well I heard the, I talked to Shelly <laughs> yeah and, and I heard that device was created because he wanted to do a thing with elaine but elaine was doing something with uh with mike so he had to come up with a device where he could play both sides of it yeah, and then uh, and then later he said uh, that new heart stole it but that's a whole other. <laughs> stuff. Gosh, that's, 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 that's a touchy business there yeah. so so when did you start uh you know uh you didn't perform uh comedy though not really. Then I, I uh,
3: there was a show at Northwest in the WAMU show, mm-hmm. and I started writing. And I met a guy who said I write comedy, and uh, I was a journalism major. Sure, and a uh, little discouraged that truly in my class were four Pulitzer Prize winners in the class. <laughs> I could see in my class people were better than me, <laughs> but the, t- you know, the one thing I, you know, you. you any indication when you're trying to find yourself, yeah. then, And I've never got a great grade, but whenever they said read them out loud, the other kids would say read Gary's because yeah. I always wrote like a right. cockeyed thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I realized I was funny. a little Mostly bit. sports. Still, uh, I didn't. I was the sports editor of okay. the Northwestern paper, which right. forced me into comedy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In those days, we lost a lot. I used to write. Yeah, by the time the soft spangled banner was over, we were behind by fourteen points. But we had a good time. Now they're a great team. All right, so
0: so this classmate, so, the comedy writer.
3: Yes, his name was Fred Freeman, a wonderful writer and uh-huh. very ambitious. And, uh-huh. and I played you know drums and got cross phone numbers on my tom tom. I was happy. <laughs> yeah, but he said we got to write. And uh, we made a plan to write after college. And we were all set. And Uncle Sam said, not yet, Gary. And I went to Korea for two years and uh, actually still played some drums and and actually did radio in Korea. Oh, yeah? So I did get to do some comedy. Armed Forces Radio? Yes, AFK. K.N. was in Seoul, Korea. And, and what did you,
0: did you end up uh, seeing any action, or were you just stationed, or what did you no, do?
3: No, I, I was there a little after the action. It was uh-huh. mostly uh, just incidents. and But it taught you to work. We would go up, Kumari was the front line between uh-huh. North and South Korea, yeah. and you had to crawl on your stomach, yeah. you know, and go from foxhole to foxhole, uh-huh. and machine gun nest, and... Uh, Tell jokes that we was the entertainment. No, really? <laughs> yeah, we would say, <laughs> so, "Hi, how you doing?" <laughs> now I, I must <laughs> say it forced me into dirty humor a little bit. <laughs> yeah. but still, it was part of getting
0: used to entertaining so, yeah, on any kind of crowd. That's crazy! I've never heard a story like yeah. that. So you're talking about like five, six guys in a foxhole? Yeah, hi foxhole? guys. oh I am from AFKN.
3: Hi, and I interview them and tell them. Uh, jokes oh, and, oh no, and, kidding! And I had you know a guy named. John Uh Graham at Marquette University was the other comic with me, and he was a little heavy, so he had trouble crawling... (laughs) But they wouldn't <laughs> let you stand up. But then we entertained. So you they, had a
0: shtick on the radio that the two yeah, of you did, and then you would yeah. bring it to the guys. And they all knew you. Yeah, and, and they knew. We were Uncle John and Uncle Gary. Oh, right. I have no idea why. Yeah, but yeah. We, he made it up. So, so, so the whole base knew you. So they were happy to see you, and you yeah, engage and with did, them. And we did satire uh-huh. and stuff. And, oh yeah, uh,
3: and we learned to actually do a few Korean jokes. No, but that was also good comedy experience you know the Korean verbal humor was not so good. Yeah. But physical humor they we liked. did, and we did li- have a forced to do physical humor when we entertained live.
0: Yeah, it, it, that's. I, I guess that, that is an interesting uh, trick to have to learn. That that, they, <laughs> yeah. they, that they, the only thing that crosses uh, kind of language barriers is uh, is <laughs> slapstick in a way. S- slapstick and yes, yeah, anything yeah. physical. Phys- faces, and, big uh, big
3: stuff. And you couldn't rely on you know clever little lines, but. We worked a lot of audiences, truly, where they just sat there with their guns. Yeah. <laughs> Americans,
0: <laughs> <engineering>. so <laughs> it was a tough crowd. Tough gig, but so tough crowd. Everything else seemed quite easy. Yeah, and was that where you really started to learn how to write jokes?
3: Yeah, I wrote jokes and a lot of. Uh, they thought I was um, a magician there for uh-huh. a minute because when. Interesting things came from the states uh-huh. to Korea to the soldiers. Yeah, the North Koreans knew it, right? And they would jam the airwaves, <laughs> yeah. and the thing they loved to jam was the Oscars. Oh, really? So, so I knew Bob. I'd seen you. I knew humor, yeah. And so they jammed the Oscars, and they were so. And I said, I think I can fix it. What are you going to fix? So if I heard what Hope was saying, the yeah. straight line, I could figure out where he was going with the punch line because <laughs> he was, pretty, and when I heard the punch line, I knew how to get to the straight line. Yeah. So I had a guy imitate Hope. Yeah. who was
0: there. Who was hosting the Oscars? Bob yeah. Yeah.
3: Hope was Hope yeah. hosting the Oscars, and then uh, suddenly I put it together, and it all made sense, and they. How did you do that?
0: Yeah, so you did that on the radio. You were on the radio, improvising, with
3: improvised an Im- and Made his whole routine made sense. They never <laughs> heard of such a thing. The <laughs> captains and
0: the people.
3: That's so amazing. Suddenly, I was kind of a weirdo, but. <laughs> and could do a trick they never heard
0: before. Right, and, 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 and improvise <laughs> yes. spontaneously. Yeah. Did you know Hope, did you grow to to know him later? No, he came to Korea,
3: yeah. detained the next, I was there a couple of Christmases and uh, I was amazed that uh, he had so many cue cards. Oh really? But he knew how to do topical humor. I I, I said hello. Yeah. We all went to, to church on New Year's Eve, uh-huh. uh, Christmas Eve. We went. Uh, to and church. you never met him later. No. Well, actually yes. See I can't remember. I did a special for Danny Danny Thomas uh-huh. um with the uh, Bob Hope and Big and Cross Big Road to Lebanon. Uh-huh. And I met him and he lived across the street from me in uh, Toluca Lake. Oh uh, yeah. I don't live there anymore, but I live at the other side of Toluca Lake. So I would go take my kids to his house for Valentine's Day. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, not Valentine's e- Day, Easter, Halloween, Halloween.
0: All right, turkey tree. And or we treat. get
3: trick or tree. Yeah. And one year he gave out silver dollars. Oh yeah. <laughs> And my kids were <laughs> to keep coming back. And somebody must have said something to him, because the next year he gave out a picture of himself, autographed. That was uh, <laughs>
2: somebody, So the
0: kids would come around the block three times for the silver dollars. <laughs> mothers, kids, no matter what. So you come back from Korea. Yeah, and I found the same partner, Fred
3: Freeman. He didn't things. go to Korea. No. Uh-huh. So a lot of guys went in that six months program right, right. or something.
0: And so he, had he been writing?
3: He was writing for a publishing company, and uh-huh. uh, we got together and had a card. We made a card that that's said, always the
0: beginning of a business. Yes,
3: yeah. we, it's the card <laughs> said "a hundred percent virgin material." That's what it said.
0: There was a premium on that. Yes, yeah. Uh,
3: we who knows a couple of people called us. We wrote for wannabe comics
0: and everything, and oh, it, none of them were it became anything.
3: Uh, not really, not
0: we. But you were getting practice. Did you go to the clubs and watch these guys? No, do your stuff?
3: we always watched. Yeah, and, and uh,
0: who was around then? Were you slowly watching?
3: Slowly, who? Well, there Buddy Hackett, oh, uh, yeah. Jackie, uh, Jackie Leonard. The guy who helped us was Phil Foster. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And we used to go to the place to stage delicatessen. Sure. And they didn't pay you, but if you did jokes, you had enough jokes, they paid you in food. Uh-huh. All right, give the kid sandwiches here. No dessert, <laughs> just a sandwich.
0: But you yeah. say,
3: hi, here's some jokes. Here. Oh. Some of them threw them in the garbage. But Oh, the, I
0: see. So the comic's sitting at the table. Yeah, they were oh. all hung out there. Yeah, And
3: they had a lot of
0: roasts in yeah. those days. So well, who, who were the guys there? There was a Buddy Hackett and... Uh...
3: Joey Bishop oh, was yeah? there and... Uh, uh, Alan Kent and the uh-huh. guys that uh, never became big. Bobby Bell, they were okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, fun guys, so? though. I actually,
0: <laughs> I don't know
3: if fun would say it. Who was the nicest was uh, Phil Foster, because uh-huh. I guess I had an accent and he liked that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he helped us get meet Joey Bishop. We wrote for him yeah. on the Monitor, and then he helped us meet Joey Bishop. Who hired us to do the Tonight Show and he's hosted and uh then Jack Paw hired us from Joey Bishop and
0: there we were working in the You, you were, were on, on staff on the t- at the on Tonight staff, Show? Yes. And that where was that? NBC? Uh Rockefeller. Yeah, Sunday, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. NBC,
3: yeah. we so, we watch ice skate. I brought my lunch in a bag. I watched ice skating and go up
0: You were living in the Bronx again?
3: No, no, we had an apartment. Yes. Yeah,
0: yeah. It was
3: five floor walk up, but didn't matter. To block out. You were, it didn't really matter. And you were married by then? No, no. No, no, no just no. just living. A lot of dating, but it was interesting that I I just didn't want my Family think they wasted all their money, so I actually. The first job job I got was with the Daily News uh-huh. as a copy boy in a sports uh, not even. I, sh- I say sports reporter, but it's a lie. I was a sports statistician. Oh, yeah, I did the box score. right? You had
0: the numbers, yeah, yeah you handed the guy, yeah, I knew how <laughs> many
3: hits batting. <laughs> yeah, average yeah, yeah. this is uh, Dick Young was my idol, uh huh. Anyway, uh, I noticed that I was making um. Uh, $45 a week at the Daily News and I was making 300 a week on The Tonight Show, so... <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking I'd keep both jobs, but Jack Paw was a little paranoid. He didn't like people from newspapers. He says, I heard you're working on, for the Daily News. You don't tell them anything. I said, no. I,
2: yeah. You're a stats guy. Yeah, I said, I
3: do nothing. <laughs> you want to see the box score?
0: And that was it. We, what we, was we he, quit. What was he like? Because that, that show, I, I, I've i gone back and watched some of it as research into because he was really the guy who set the standard for that show in a way, and he and no one really did it like him. He had long form monologues sitting on the yeah, stool. Yeah, he
3: set the form there, and he really as he was a little bit square compared to today, but yeah. he did allow you know the Jonathan Winters, sure, the, uh, yeah, Woody yeah. Allen. I remember yeah. Woody Allen came on. The talent coordinator was Dick Cavett, who wanted to be a writer, but he was the talent coordinator. Oh, really? For Jack Parr? For Jack Parr, and he brought Woody Allen Because on. they are
0: both represented by Rollins and Joffe. Yeah, they right. were all there. Yeah, that was the crew.
3: Yeah, but when I left to go to Hollywood, Dick Cavett replaced me as a writer.
0: You know, I oh, told Jack,
3: I said, your talent coordinator is very funny what's his name <laughs> dick cavity he comes in he looks oh yeah that ivy league kid he said i said he's funny forget ivy yeah and he turned uh, out you turned out to be right yeah he he was good but then uh we, we uh uh went from jack paw who was a nice man in his way and yeah joey bishop called in hollywood with danny thomas and said come out here and uh you could be a punch-up writer. And that's how I got to Hollywood.
0: And Joey Bishop, was he, like, you know, my recollections of him because, of, you know, of my age, you know, I, I, I really think I, I saw him first on The Roasts, and, and I know he was part of the, the Rat Pack Rat and pack. stuff, but was, was he a naturally funny man? He was funny, and
3: again, everybody, I learned from everybody. I've written these jokes. I had written for Jack Carter, another guy. Jack from Carter. This, Jack Carter, yeah. the stage. And I would write, and and he didn't work, and Joey Bishop would say, no, no, you can't say it in their face. He says... Everybody likes to hear the jokes. He says, I like people to overhear uh-huh. my jokes. Oh, and he so. used to work facing the band. He turned his back to the audience and you just hear it. And that has bode me well. In all my movies, a lot of times I do jokes, you just hear yeah, jokes yeah. That are Instead of just closer. throwing them right out. Yeah. And so that was his style. That was, that a was decision. his style. And, uh, smooth in a way. Smooth. And, uh, you know, and he became frank and... Sammy and Dean. Every
0: did you ever but, see those guys? Oh yeah, we yeah.
3: used. Uh, they had a couple of writers, and I guess people say you highlight your career. It was once Sammy Davis's years went by. I got to be friends with with him, and he said, you know, we knew you and I had my partner then Jerry Bell. he says we knew you guys were writing stuff for us but it always went through this head writer guy. Oh yeah, yeah. It not even head, he just wrote for them but we would feed him, he says we knew and we, once we said hey why don't we meet those two kids and he said oh they're very shy, they don't want to meet. Oh really, <laughs> he didn't want them to know you were the brains. <laughs> but uh, that was nice that they did you. Was that a hell of a stuff. show to watch? The Rat Pack yeah. or something, yeah. It's fun right? fun they all had a good time and yeah they yeah. all had a built-in attitude you yeah, know? yeah and uh, you know, was it,
0: show did you do you like find yourself like yeah as time went on i mean this is obviously before your tremendous success but i mean it was was show business more fun
3: I thought it was fun. It was really, uh, even right. You know, I wrote the early sitcoms and uh, from the Joey Bishop. Danny Thomas was a very good guy to me, and uh, we went. You know, and I was trained. I thought blessed with my training. I wrote for the Dick Van Dyke Show and I wrote for Lucy. And I would go back and forth and
0: work those two shows at the same time. Same time. And what's your partner's name? Jerry Belson. Jerry Belson. In and Belson and and so. So you wrote, you're working with Lucy and you're working with Dick Van Dyke, you know, at the same time, and yeah. you're, you're on staff. Then you're a staff writer. But yeah, we were freelancers for hire. Well, how 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 did it work? Was there a room full of guys? You everyone go write their own script, or you come in and you kick, kick jokes around? Was uh,
3: it f- Dick Van Dyke. There was you know five or six writers, yeah. and Carl Reiner would. Not say don't give me jokes. Tell me what happened to you that embarrassed you, and we would tell terrible <laughs> stories, <laughs> and, and that's, that's what was the script. And Lucy. In Dick Van Dyke, you started with an idea and you took it to the end. With Lucy, you did the opposite. You started with the last scene, the big, funny, crazy right. scene, and then your job was to get to it. Right, That's right. That's how you wrote. So there was one producer on Lucy who was very nice to me, and after I said my, you know, Dick Van Dyke's winning all the awards and so sophisticated, we we don't shouldn't do slapstick anymore. And I said, all right, and so we were thinking, and then the producer called me and he said, listen, schmuck, <laughs> he was a nice man from Brooklyn. <laughs> you just had a baby, right? Now I was married with yeah. a baby. He says, you know, not nice, Van Dyke won, so Emmy I won, this and that. He said, Lucy will be forever. He says, writing Lucy is to buy an insurance policy for your kid, Yeah. every script. Interesting. And I said, well, that makes sense. And I told Jerry, come on, let's keep writing. And it is, what, 2016? Last year, I still got a residual from Lucy that I wrote in 1965. Really? Really. It was only like for thirteen one, one for $27. Yeah. 1965.
0: Unbelievable. Two plays all around the world. Well, she was, that's very funny though, that that weird kind of uh, the the highbrow versus the lowbrow or the assumptions. I guess Carl Reiner brought a lot of that. To to Dick yes. Van Dyke because he he sort of he, that's sort of his thing yeah, yeah no he was
3: great he was one
0: of my mentors but he even said I said I was confused
3: this and much. he said do both yeah. he says there's a big audience out there. Do both. And there was, there's
0: like what, three networks? Yeah. You that know, was it. Just, so you got everybody. You know, you got a good chunk of everybody. Yeah. And was Lucy amazing? Was she a sweet woman? She, you... she was, well, I, I have a, I'm a of curse here. Yeah. She,
3: one of my first scripts Jerry and I wrote, for, she wrote, on, I have it on the cover, it said, This is shit. She wrote big <laughs> letters. So we went back and said, and the producer said, no, she wants to see how good you rewrite, so fix it. So he fixed it, and then she was very nice. And
0: when you, with people like like Dick Van Dyke and, and Lucy are, like, are sort of similar in that they're just natural comedic yes. talents. You walk on the stage, something's gonna be funny. Right, it's amazing, yeah. it's a real gift. You don't yeah. see it a lot, right? No, I'm not some I'm Melissa Mayer, McCarthy. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it's gonna be funny.
3: Right, exactly. You know, yeah, yeah, actually,
0: yeah. Louis C.K., who I love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He
3: pauses, oh, it's gonna be Something's gonna be good, <laughs> yeah. He
0: was just in here the day before yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that guy. He's yeah, a good I heard of mine. You,
3: you had a uh, Julia Louise Drive, yeah, another yeah, Northwestern. Yeah. See? yeah, good, you're nice to Northwestern,
0: yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, and she's also very naturally funny. Yeah. What I mean, like, I think like uh, you, you, she's comparable to Lucy, really. I mean, yeah, like, right. incredibly naturally, yeah. Funny.
3: Well, everything I learned from Lucy, I taught my sister Penny. That's yeah. why we had Laverne sure Oh, really? So, you
0: did, you had to like, uh, when she started acting, you said, This is what you do, this is what I learn. Yeah, no.
3: I, we learned how to do the physical comedy, uh-huh. and Laverne Shirley did some great physical stuff.
0: But you worked on a few other ones. You did you do? You worked on what other one? You worked on uh, Gomer Pyle? No, yeah. Oh yeah, we were all over the place
3: freelancing. Yeah. Jose Jimenez, Melinda Gomer Pyle. Uh, uh, never rode for Andy Griffith, but met Ron Howard. Yeah, when he was there again. You should always. I love sports. Yeah. So I remember he was like ten. Yeah. And all he wanted to do was throw the baseball. Oh, he's on the set of the yeah. uh, of the well, Andy Griffith show. It was the, yeah. ha- uh, the set there. Was, it, or, it was, oh, was called. Oh, was it Desi Luke? Desmond yeah. and nobody would throw the ball with him, so I threw with him a few times. With Ron Howard. Yeah, he he's a kid. He didn't know my name. Yeah. I, he, I said, Hi. Yeah. I got from the other Opie. show. <laughs> yeah. And we threw, and uh, then I sold a show called Hey Landlord, and uh, so I had a show on the lot, and it was. Uh, 99th in the ratings uh-huh. but it was a good different,
0: first effort. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you're first. still good with the stats, huh? <laughs> yeah, I
3: remember <laughs> I carried a card <laughs> that had <laughs> Hey Landlord 99 and <laughs> Happy Days was really number one I used to carry that in my wallet oh really to make sure you know it's yeah. not always perfect right Right. It not always sucks. so
0: but in writing for comics <laughs> you, you, you would just sort of you would know the guy's uh, point of view enough and then just you know write you know stories and bits to that point of view sometimes they tell you you know yeah. I, I did
3: a uh, book I wrote, I wrote, my daughter wrote with yeah. me some books, and one was called Wake Me When It's Funny. Yeah. And it was through, Phil Foster used to say, I'm going to take a nap now. Do this two routines, this contact lenses, this, yeah. this. Wake me when it's funny. <laughs> and so it's scary, man, taking a nap. Yeah, sure. yeah. we wake them? <laughs> Good pressure, we Right, right. So that.
0: some of them would feed you stuff, their ideas, and you, yeah, you build it out. And yeah, build yeah. It, and Punch uh, it up.
3: Some were. Uh, difficult, and uh, but the pressure that I learned has uh, really helped me through the years. Joey Bishop, yeah. I love him. He would always get nervous, and then you know we'd be at the, literally at the Sands Hotel. He was, uh-huh. and we'd be backstage, and he'd say oh this sucks I have no opening lines I have nothing yeah. and then so you'd say well how about this how about this Right, and you'd talk, Yeah, and you'd hear the um, 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 ladies and gentlemen the <laughs> Sands Hotel and you talk <laughs> as best you can yeah, so, right. but you've got
0: such anxiety Yeah, have nothing gives yeah.
3: me anxiety
0: yeah and he, did he was that a regular thing but he probably liked to do it that way Ken oh man. yeah well yeah. All, I mean
3: all networks are the same you know yeah. they get all the pilots and yeah. then the last minute it, I hate everything. We got nothing.
0: You yeah, know? That's right, right. Called insecurity yeah. of showbiz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> never stops. So, what was the first uh, big break then? For the was it the Odd Couple? Uh, we tried movies, and what'd did, you do? We did a movie
3: called uh, "How Sweet It Is" with Debbie Reynolds and uh, uh, James Garner. Oh, really? And we wrote you the, wrote that? Yeah, we wrote the screenplay, and then. We did another movie called, which was quite good, I thought, called Grasshopper with uh, Jackie Pissette and uh-huh. uh, Jim Brown. Actually, oh yeah, we yeah, had to be friends with. Was Jim that Brown. early
0: seventies, late sixties? Late sixties,
3: uh-huh. late sixties. Uh-huh. And then in the middle of the movie business was a little slow, and we were not successful really. But in the middle, they said, "Hey, you." Paramount called back, I said, you wanna do The Odd Couple? We got The Odd Couple and uh, we own it and you can write it. This is you and Belson? And me and Jerry Belson, we wrote a script and they said, this is no good, it's just like Neil Simon writes. I said, what do you want? What? Wouldn't you want that? (laughs) He, He wrote good characters, don't you think? Yeah. Anyway, it was on the air, it was a hit, and one of my happiest stories, Neil Simon hated us and the show, because yeah. he, you know, they made a deal to help him with the play, one of the greatest plays ever written. Oh, so, oh, so
0: they, he he sold the rights out of desperation. Uh,
3: well, yeah, for very, very cheap, he yeah. was not making
0: $2. Right. Uh, maybe $4. So he had nothing to do with the TV show. No,
3: and... Uh, he said in the press, "I don't think it should be a TV show and this and that." Uh-huh. But you know, I believe that if you wait long enough, good is seen or at least acknowledged. Right. Sure. And by sheer luck, his daughter said to him once, "You know, Dad, that's funny—that yeah. odd couple, those two guys, Claude yeah. and Randall." So he watched it, then wrote us a beautiful letter. Me and Jerry Pelson Saying you guys are doing a good job And and just to be nice We said would you like to come on the show And he appeared On My Odd Couple and Jerry and I and the, and he I said, You gotta bring your daughter. You uh-huh. can't just come yourself. Yeah. So he did and he was on the show. So we became and we've been friends ever since.
0: Yeah, that's sweet. Well, you know, it was because you honored his characters, right? I imagine. Yeah. Oh yeah, we didn't yeah. make one a pirate or right, something. Right. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so okay, so you do this great thing with the odd, An couple, odd couple.
3: Five something. years on the air? Five years and, five and finally, uh, that was the
0: benchmark. You
3: had to do five years. And you were
0: writing uh, all, you, you had a staff, right? You, what, what was oh, the program that it was have 10 writers? Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
3: Was, yeah. We were the showrunners. That was the first, we were showrunners on Hey Landlord, but we didn't know how to yeah, do yeah. it. Right. What we did know, how, when you create the show, they make you a producer. The first thing you have to do as a producer is hire yourself as a director, cause nobody else will. Right. So we got right, Jerry and I both got in the a guild director's guild.
0: But uh, I must say, we 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 learned to showrun on the Odd Couple. And, and and showrunner was, uh, I guess it's a, I guess it had been around a long time, but as a job, it was a relatively new job in television. Yeah, right?
3: Yeah, they used to. And, Years they went from radio to TV. Right. What they did originally is take all the great radio uh, writers who yeah. wrote stories right. and wrote this sitcom Aziz right. and Harriet Lee yeah. to Beaver, and then somebody said. Uh, why don't we get some of the joke writers from Fred Allen, Jack Benny? Yeah, and they said they don't know how to make a story. Yeah, and they said, well, we're having trouble teaching the story writers how to write jokes. Maybe we can teach the joke writers how to write <laughs> stories. Yeah. and that changed the business. And that how Sergeant
0: yeah. Bowler changed right, the whole right. business, and all the comedy writers would have joke writers. And that's how and that was how modern television was invented. That was how
3: comedy
0: it was it was and, and comedy and as a showrunner, you ran the room and you ran ten writers and and you had to be
3: not only the buck stopped at you you had to be a great picker and I, I seemed to have a good talent as a picker writing was okay but I could wait wait that guy over there, because yeah. I remember Neil Simon never spoke on Sid Caesar*. Only Danny spoke. Right, right. And they, and you know, once in a while, Carl would say, "Wait, wait, Neil said something." <laughs> <laughs> say it a li- little
0: louder, Neil, and so I could pick him. And I got
3: a lot of writers.
0: And you would, and you would run interference between the show and the network, and you know, uh, you know, oh, yeah. go between. Well, the- I gotta say. Uh, the network didn't butt in so much. in Oh those yes. days. Oh now, yeah! I mean, I'm they, more, were,
3: uh, they they're much more on top of it now.
0: But uh, they were happy it was working. If, yes, if it they was left making me money. Alone. Right? Yeah. yeah. Happy
3: days ran eleven years. After like five or six years, I never saw anybody <laughs> from
0: the network. Nobody <laughs> came around. They didn't care what we were doing. And then, so the odd couples on, and you're doing other stuff, right? Yeah. Before what did you actually work on on Love American Style?
3: No, that was uh, uh, I did, but the thing was, in those days, they had a very good plan. Yeah. If you made a pilot and it was no good, they didn't throw it away. Yeah, they would put it on Love American <laughs> Style and just change the <laughs> title.
0: So just scripts floating around, yeah. stories.
3: So I wrote a pilot. Yeah. F- for Happy Days, and it didn't sell, but they put it right on Love American Style. That was the first time those characters appeared. Yeah, New Neighborhood. Loving the New Neighbors, or something they called it. And that it. was the beginning of Happy Days? That was my first pilot. And then they, you know. With how, the same characters? Pretty much, no Fonzie. It, yeah. It was Richie and Potsy and uh, Howard. And, and was and the original had Ron Howard and Marion Ross. Huh. And there was that whole story. My, one of my best friends from Korea, from yeah. the. Boxhole Business was a casting director for George Lucas on uh-huh. American Graffiti. Yeah. And he said, We're doing 50s. You got an old 50s pilot you did last year? I said, Yeah. And I sent it to him. That's where they really hired Ron Howard for American Graffiti.
0: No kidding. Was out of that. And then. Out of the thing you wrote for Love American Style. Yeah.
3: And out of that, American. Graffiti became a smash. Grease on Broadway became a smash. And the TV people said, don't we have that? (laughs) (laughs) And somebody says, we have that? Who did that? Tell them to do it again. And by then, Belson, my partner, was going into movies. So Uh we kind of broke up. But Uh I asked him, you want to come on? I got this new show and I got a new character. And he now tells he said Gary said there's something funsy, funzi, something crazy. Wanna yeah, write yeah. a nice family. I don't wanna I like edgy, I like this. Yeah. So he never came with me. Does but, he regret that? Uh he has unfortunately passed away. He regrets it a little financially. Yeah. But he, he was not so Did he write some good movies? He wrote for Spielberg, a lot of punch-ups. He oh, did. yeah? He was oh, okay. Really, he was probably the funniest funniest person I ever met was my mother. Funniest yeah. guy ever was Jerry Belson.
0: So, okay, so now that's amazing to me because I vaguely remember Love, American Style from when I was a kid. I was about nine or ten. But I remember it was a little racy and it was always different and every funny guy on television showed up the, there.
3: Yeah, I wrote some special, uh, I, I wrote some episodes on yeah. it later. I wrote... Uh, I was fascinated by... The fact that a tuba I like music and yeah. you know a tuba was used in Dixie, which I played, so I, I said, how about I trap two people in a tuba? So I literally got a tuba <laughs> and made my wife get in them <laughs> under the tuba, and obviously we didn't fit, right. so we had to make a special tuba. And I did love in the tuba. And tuba. That, that was a... Frankie Avalon and uh, I <laughs> forget the girl. They were. It was uh, a sketch, basically. Yes, but that was Love America. Style. Sure, all sketches. All yeah. sketches and an interstitial
0: material they used to call it filler. I wrote a lot of those. Yeah, I, I remember it. it was funny because yeah. you get to see like Artie Johnson, and Larry Story. Everybody on. was on it. Yeah, wow. All right, so then Happy Day starts. Is you're saying that the nostalgia craze was upon us? Yeah. And and how did you uh, how did you bring that all together? How did you cast that? Did you see Winkler and Lords of Flatbush, or how did that work? Or was that later? That might have been later, right?
3: No, no. First, Ron Howard did it. You know, I. People keep saying, you create these things. I have never created television. I create, and then it evolves. Sure. And uh, if you stop it from evolving, you go off the air. Yeah. But we started with, I thought the show, show was about Patsy and Richie, Van yeah. Howard and Anson Williams, but then uh, Michael Eisner had seen American Graffiti, and then he was the agent at the time? He was the head of Paramount. Oh, no, Michael Eisenhardt, Michael, the head yeah. of Disney
0: later. Yeah, right. Yeah,
3: he. we went together from yeah. Paramount to Disney. But he uh, said, I, "I, it shouldn't be about this nice family. It should be about a gang. And I said, I'm not sure. He said, well, somewhere get a gang in. And I said, we have no money for a gang. <laughs> How about I get one guy who'll represent the gang? Yeah. So we got... Uh, uh, for the second time, we did the pilot. I added uh,
0: Fonzie. Winkle, yeah, yeah. Where'd you see him?
3: I, I didn't. He came into. <laughs> auditioned. I wanted a tall Italian guy from the streets yeah. of the Bronx, and they sent me a very short Jewish guy from the streets of Long Island. But lo and behold, Henry Winkler was such a good actor that sweet guy he put on the jacket, yeah. and there was Fonzie before my eyes in my office. I saw it. I said whoop, that's him. Yeah. that's us hire him. And uh, he became one of the better human beings I ever met in yeah. show business, Henry.
0: Yeah, I talked to him in here. He's a sweet yeah. man. Very sweet uh, man. Good guy. Yeah, and, and and that Fonzie character, I mean, I was a kid, so what? So uh, Happy Days runs, what, 74 to <laughs> 80, 10 years. <laughs> and that's, well, I'm 11 through whatever, 21. But but I remember when I was a kid, you know, you're walking around going, hey, hey, hey yeah. hitting things, <laughs> you know. It was something yeah, there else. there were guys...
3: In my neighborhood, who never spoke much, but one day they'd hug you, the next day they'd hit you in the head. So uh, those silent types worked f- well for me, and uh, I-, I think eventually that Henry Winkler became such a star that we shifted the whole uh, happy days to him because... I always wanted Richie to have an older brother. Yeah. And I had two of them. Yeah. And they we, we they were gone. People yeah. still ask, what happened to Chuck?
0: Yeah. yeah. I said, Chuck Bradley. <laughs> oh, you tried it a couple yeah, of times. Yeah, like, That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I remember he was like a college kid, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah, were yeah. trying not work. Now, you know, over the years, you know, it was on TV longer than most sitcoms yeah. ever were. Longer than most marriages. Yeah, yeah. and they, and also we get the, uh, you get the term jumping the shark from yes, Happy Days. That's right. Now, we, we, when you're in that position where you got a good thing going and, you know, it changed the culture, it changed people's lives, people loved the thing, what was the decision process? How does that work? How does it stay on the air so long? They just kept kept making money? Yeah, well, it kept playing, yeah. and, uh, you know, it partially
3: changed the industry in that usually people bid on reruns, mm-hmm. you know, and they said, how oh, much. there was this whole sale, and right. they'd say, if you buy this show, you get this show, right. and with Happy Days, a very smart man uh, at Paramount said, bid on it. There's no price on Happy Days. Bid on it. Right. And everybody worried about, oh, what if the other station gets The certain- syndicators. Syndicators. Yeah. yeah. WPIX in New York. Right, and right. And, and then the price went up, and now everybody does that. Right. But that was the first one to do it. So, the, so, the, so
0: they left it on. Right. The incentive was, to if it, if it had such a big syndication market, yeah. let's just keep yeah. making them. Yeah. And then they
3: understood, Fred Silverman came in and understood that... Uh, you wanted to get uh, an hour. So he said to me, create something behind Happy Days quick.
0: So you could partner it with something. Yeah. And, uh, and that's where Laverne and Shirley? Laverne and Shirley. And now what was your relationship with your sister at this time? Was she acting? Was she, uh, you, She know? was a stunt lady. And my mother, you know, it's always family. Penny Marshall was a stunt lady.
3: Yes. <laughs> on Savage Seven she got knocked <laughs> off a bike.
0: And you were out they, you were both out here though, and you, yes, you saw her. Come you, here. Yeah.
3: No, my mother called and said, Get your sister a job. She's dating morons. I remember clear <laughs> as the bill. She said it so clear. And that's when she went on Art Couple as uh-huh. a secretary. Right, and right. Jack Klugman, Tony Reynolds taught her a lot about acting and then she was a writer when we did Laverne Shirley and we made a show. They were on uh, Happy Days. Uh-huh. You know, it's not so hard to find people when they're on one show. Fred Silverman was the king of spin offs and he'd always say, "Your actors are fine. Find out who's guesting. That's interesting. Right? And then make a show. He started all. that. Oh, that, that
0: was really? him. Really, Fred Silverman? Because that doesn't happen too much anymore.
3: Well, not the so well. Not as the they same did. way. Not
0: the same way. Right? You where they could coexist. you know like you could have both shows on
3: very well they take people of seinfeld have their own sure sure but but but
0: not with the same character no no yeah and you had lenny and squiggy i just remembered michael mckean's a genius yes oh he's giant now yeah yeah and He, he we tried a pilot for them it didn't work but we got robert williams off happy days too and now yeah so you got your sister doing laverne shirley which becomes a big hit her and yeah. C- Cindy Williams, right? That was her name? Yes. Cindy and that Williams. she was in American Graffiti. She was great in American yes, Graffiti, right? Yes, great in American Yeah. And that went on for years. So you have both of these things running yes. together. So, Cindy was in the conversation, was a real
3: actress and just. It was, did, oh, Coppola's movie, did with a, Hackman? Yeah. Yeah. She did a favor. I'll do it. It won't sell. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs>
0: there you go. And, and, Mork, <laughs> Mork, who, who came up with uh How'd you, you come in touch with Robin?
3: Well, this is a story I've told, but That's okay. I, I have three kids and two girls and a boy, and my son wasn't watching Happy Days. He yes. didn't watch it. Yeah. He's the youngest. And I said, why won't you watch Happy Days? He says, there's no space people. Because <laughs> <laughs> he loves, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, but uh, it's the 50s, and the kids are smart. He was seven. Yeah, And he said he could dream. It could yeah. be a dream. And I sh- went to the writers, I said, Fonzie doesn't have any new adversaries. Uh-huh. Let's get an alien. You should have seen the staring at me. Oh yeah. What is he doing? But we created uh, Mork from Mork uh-huh. and uh, put him on the show. And uh, was we, that
0: you? Can't did Robin
3: come in on an audition? No, we were hiring people like John Biner and yeah. some wonderful comedians. Yeah. And nobody wanted to do it. Yeah. And my sister, Ronnie, I work with family a yeah. lot, uh, was my casting person, uh-huh. said, there's a kid. I talked to an agent, Alan Swyman or something. Yeah. He said, there's a new kid. And I literally said, what has he done? Uh-huh. And she said, he stands on the street corner and he makes noises and imitations and and. He passes the hat. I said, That's the credit. He has to be on the number one show. <laughs> she said, Yeah. He has a, a very full hat. Yeah. He's a street performer? Uh, at yes. At the time. He was. Uh-huh. And he came in I think he did one job for George Slaughter somewhere. Uh-huh. But nobody knew where. And he came in and he literally did the audition standing on his head. And uh, never missed a line, and we put him in happy days. We were so desperate. We thought Monday to Friday, we didn't have a act of it. You did have your alien. Didn't have an alien. Yeah. I said, and luckily, some people are nicer than others, and Ron Howard and Henry Winkler, I said, this guy is coming in as the alien. He's a little green. Yeah. <laughs> so help him. And they did, and he did the... Did the episode is the alien? Yeah, and at the end I, I I announced Fonzie, I announced Ron Howard, I announced, and they stood up for Robin.
0: No kidding. It was a day play in the in the live audience. Live audience, three hundred
3: people just stood up and no said, kidding. "Who is that guy?" Uh huh. So I said. Maybe he's something. But <laughs> Maybe he's something.
0: <laughs>
3: but no, my cameraman said sure. one day, you know those two girls you played from the other side of the tracks? Uh-huh. That's a two shot. Yeah. That'd be good. Make that show. So I listen, but I must say when when we again what I just said, when the network hated all their pilots. Uh-huh. And the last two days, Eisner came in and said, what do you got? They're desperate. Yeah. Say anything. Yeah. And I, of course, called the network, and I said, did you see the episode with Robin Williams? They said, no. Yeah. <laughs> but again, there's always hope. One voice, a girl, I heard her say, her name was Marcy Carsey. Uh-huh. She was the lowest of the low. Uh-huh. She said, I saw it. He was very good. Uh-huh. And she said... He could be, so I said, yes, more for more. Yeah. Well, where is it? I said, and I'm crazy, so I, I think when they say, where is it, I say, where can I eat? Where can I get a bed, I'll be cold. Yeah. I said, I have a niece in Boulder. I said to my Boulder, Colorado, a totally unique place, perfect. And they said, what's the name of it? I, I said, it's called The Moor Chronicles, about aliens. Yeah. And then there was this silence. And I heard, nobody knows what Chronicles means. Yeah, yeah. I said, there's us on the phone. How many of you don't know what Chronicles means? For- <laughs> well, you can't name it. That- and Marcy Smart said, no, they want to name Pets. It's like Laverne and Shirley you yeah, yeah, yeah. Pets and Pets. Mork and Mindy, I said. I made up a name. I think I said Mork and Melissa. They didn't like it. Yeah, that. yeah. But that's how the show and Marcy started.
0: Carsey went on to be Carcy Warner? Yes. Yeah. She was smart as a whip that Uh-huh. One. And her- Big production company. Yes. And and again, random
3: life circles. Her husband, John Carsey, was one of the associate producers on the Jack Paar Show. No kidding. That's how you so just- It's
0: the show business. It yeah. It was a smaller business. It's a smaller business. Right for me, it's all circles. Yeah, yeah, and that show was amazing, and Robin became a huge star. Oh, he became a star. Sweet guy. Oh, sweet as heck. He was a lovely guy, and
3: uh, had some demons. And sure. I always said, I, you know, I had how I kept my shows together. I had softball teams, traveling softball teams, yeah. traveled to big stadiums yeah. and this and that. But Robin. Uh, didn't want to play softball so much. He didn't. He mostly just liked work, working. But he was the, the best I ever worked with. As far as comedy genius, no right? question.
0: Yeah, and he could do anything.
3: Pretty yeah. much, he could make you <laughs> laugh any time of day, night, in any way. I'm
0: surprised you didn't do any movies with him.
3: No, we were close and we wanted to do, but he did a wonderful movie with my sister Penny called Awakenings. Yeah, I thought she'd have won some prizes because that was a wonderful movie. Did
0: you give Penny her first directing job, I imagine? The, I made a direct on Laverne Shirley.
3: Yeah. She directed and did pretty good. Yeah. And then you want to hear the feminist side of the world? Yeah. Yes, she went to the studios and said, I'd like to direct, and they actually said to her, we don't like women directors. We don't think that they, they have a mindset and they won't come up with ideas that would reach a mass audience. Wow, They said that. Penny's not really a feminist, but said, I'll show them. <laughs> and she was the first woman director ever to break the $100 million benchmark. She made two pictures that, made over hundred million dollars. Big. Big and League of Their Own. Yeah. And there uh, was the first woman director ever to do that. Others have, but Penny was the first, so I'm quite proud of her.
0: Yeah, it's great. That's amazing. And, and and you started making your own movies. Uh you know I mean I obviously did a lot more television and you're still involved with television, but the movie started when? Like later, right?
3: Yeah, late eighties. I uh I, I f- said I'll try theater. Here's a trivia Yeah. What was the, the show at the Winter Garden, New York, before Cats? Oh, I should know. I'll tell you. It was called The Roast. I wrote it. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: yeah. The Roast lasted three nights. <laughs> Cats ran 18 years. Aren't you glad you had me as a guest? (laughs) Three nights against 18 years. Is that what made you realize maybe plays aren't my thing? (laughs) Well, no, no, it it truly was not the greatest play, but again, I always have these stories where out of this comes that. It was in Boston. They got terrible reviews in Boston, but this head usher loved it. He said, this is funny. Yes, it wasn't a good play. What was it about? It was about a comedian being roasted and by, by a who, guy who was like his son, but yeah. he turned on him and yeah. it was a whole, it had some drama, but there was a 20 minute hunk that was really funny, yeah. but the rest wasn't good. Anyway, we died, it was over, but the usher, I always remembered him, his name was Jason Alexander. <laughs> I always have these stories, they're all true. Yeah. Years later, I'm, Trying to find somebody for Pretty Woman, mm-hmm. and they, I said, "What is that kid? He like he's li- I don't know if he's funny, but he likes humor. Yeah, now, he's a song and dance man. He's no, I said, no. Let me audition him. And I audition him. I wasn't there on tape with Richard Gere, and I said he's wonderful. I said, "What's wonderful? I said he makes Richard Gere funny. Right. Perfect <laughs> together, and that's what we
0: use. And so, that's what happened with I Pretty Woman." Yeah, that's yeah. how. Why he yeah. was hired yeah. for pretty much. I'm not sure. The one guy that <laughs> liked your play. <laughs> yes. Well, well we,
3: Jerry Belson said, well, he has a good sense of humor he was going to, uh, I think, Boston College uh-huh. at the
0: time. Very funny. He's a very funny uh, guy. Yeah, he's the greatest. But there but the are other movies, you know, that like Flamingo Kid was a huge movie. Great yeah, movie. Yeah, my
3: first one was Young Doctors in Love, and I. Smoked and ate candy bars and I was a mess. Really? But, uh, I was going to quit. and my Quit s- what? D- directing. I said, this is not for me. This yeah. directing business. Why? I said, it's too exhausting. Right. It's craziness. Yeah. And then my sister actually said, well, maybe this was a bad experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'll see. And, uh, and then I got Flamingo Kid that nobody wanted to make. They thought it was about poker. I thought it was about Fathers and Sons, yeah. which I know about, and that became a hit, and that was fun making.
0: And that was Matt Dillon, right? Yeah, and Matt Dillon. He was—he's he was, great. He's a great movie guy.
3: He is good, but again, it's always cockeyed. I'm telling you, I had Matthew Broderick to play the lead in Flamingo Kid two weeks before he had to leave to do something else. No kidding. So Matt Dillon comes in after uh, doing that Outsiders with yeah. Coppola or something. And And Rumblefish, too, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he said, hi, I'm Matt Dillon. I said, hi. He said, you know, I don't do comedy. (laughs) (laughs) Good, I'm glad we hired you for the lead, (laughs) boy. What a good thing. (laughs) And then I said, I'll find what's funny. And we found. He became very good.
0: Yeah, and now he's very funny. I mean, he did some pretty good comedy. Oh, yeah, uh, he did. Mary, something about Mary, Mary. right? Yeah, he was great. No, I wrote him. I
3: said how funny he was and the whole thing. But Richard Trenner was the guy who held that picture
0: together. Oh, yeah. uh, yeah. He passed away, right? Yeah. He 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 was was great.
3: great. And my biggest ass it in my first movie which was not a hit was Hector Alexander
0: when he's in every
3: movie you do 18 out of 18 you love that guy I do we come from the streets of New York we play basketball together now yeah. we play softball I know together. I saw him
0: in Mother's Day the guy doesn't look like he <laughs> ages no he we played ball yesterday. Yeah?
3: We ha- we play Thursdays.
0: He's always there. Yes, he's, he's he's always, always there. there. he is. Yeah, she, <laughs> always he, there. At
3: the fountain in Mother's Day. He, yeah. he, they say he has so many characters he does. He, <laughs> he does <don't> do so <laughs> many characters. He has more toupees than anybody I know. <laughs> we go to his house, we pick a toupee, uh-huh. and this is what you are. Mother's Day, which is very funny and is uh, he's bald in Yeah,
0: Yeah, he let it he just let it go. He, yeah, he let said, it happen. He
3: said, You got too many stars in this picture. You don't want to wait for me in hair and makeup. I'll be bald <laughs> because the three girls yeah. are gonna be terrific.
0: He wore right. a hat though. Yeah, yeah. And you got uh, Kate. Marais. Yeah, you got Kate Kate Hudson and Julia Roberts and uh I had never worked with Jennifer other, Aniston. Jennifer Aniston. Oh, uh, she's so good.
3: Really good. She just was terrific she's so prepared and can do anything she in, can and really is genuine people say this that but she is a genuine person uh-huh. you think it's really you're watching a yeah. friend
0: I feel like that
3: yeah she yeah. has that quality just and amazing it, yeah.
0: and this is like your what is your, your 15th movie whatever how many 18 18 s character 18. 18. 18, 18 that's right <laughs> but you and some of them it's like i got a question cuz you know <laughs> You do, yeah. You know, Flamingo Kid, Beaches, Pretty Woman, Frankie and Johnny was a pretty big movie, right? The The uh, Princess Diaries was a big movie, yeah. but you do, you, Like we started with the with you sort of admitting that you know sometimes they don't go, they don't. Yeah. No, my
3: worst in television was me and the chimp. Yeah, you hear the applause. Listen, <laughs>
0: and and the. Yeah. Movies, I had a few failures, and but how do you, uh, you what what in, in <laughs> retrospect, you know, in terms of you know your logic around making them, and I, I imagine that you know you're enough of a guy that you, you know, you've got a sort of final cut with most things, right? It's harder now, but I did. Yeah. A long so time. how do you, what do you what do you think happens when something doesn't work? Well, I think some. It
3: all depends on what you call work. Right. Two of my. Best pictures didn't make a lot of money, which was nothing in common with Jackie Gleason. Oh, that's and right, and Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks. It was a terrific picture. I thought it came out at the wrong time or something. It didn't make money, but it's still very good. That was I love that s- movie. That was a salute to fathers. So yeah, yeah. Right. And it, it was a, it was a
0: painful and beautiful yeah. movie, and yeah. Jackie was great. That was one of his yeah. last films, right? It was his last film. Oh last my film. God, that was a good movie that was how we got him to do
3: it yeah i tom and i prepared how we should be in the movie we had all the speeches. yeah and we went and ray stark this producer said jackie you're not feeling well if you don't do another movie and you go your last picture will be smoking in the bandit part two <laughs> jackie said give me the fucking pen <laughs> And he signed, and he did nothing. And he conflict. was ill during the sh- shooting. A little bit, yeah. Right? But um, he soon died after that. Yeah, but he was a wonderful man. Jackie but that was
0: like. that guy got a very good critical reaction. Very good critical. And
3: another picture I did about a mentally challenged child, which I always want to do, was called "The Other Sister." Yeah. Also, a great critical reaction. Didn't make money. Right. And then. Pretty woman made money in and this, and, but I would say the artist I did was a picture with you mentioned before exit the evening. Yeah, I had Dan this, Aykroyd,
0: Rosie O'Donnell. Yes, yeah.
3: I wanted Sharon Stone and Don Johnson. Look at this <laughs> casting worked out <laughs> yeah, for me. Yeah. But uh, no, I I thought. I truly believe that I love love stories. And I thought there could be a love story in every situation. Uh And I did delve into the world of S&M and said, can there be love with all that Uh stuff? And uh, I based it on a book of a wonderful writer named Anne Rice, who's the queen of vampires. Vampires, And she had uh, some tragedy in her life and uh, used to write erotica uh-huh, to get uh-huh, away. And uh-huh. I took a book and we did it, but didn't work out. The company that was doing it wasn't a studio didn't think uh, it would be good and they made it a comedy. And- yeah. Really wasn't a comedy. So that's how things go wrong. Right. I think mostly what goes wrong with everybody's picture is
0: when you and the money people are not making the same film. Right. And that right. happens a lot. And then there's there's arguments about
3: it. Yeah, and, and then you
0: nego you you compromise.
3: You compromise yeah. and sometimes uh, money wins, sometimes right. you win but right. it's never good. But I you, have avoided a lot of times and uh Sometimes I haven't.
0: Yeah. And, and you also, like, you, outside of making all these movies, you, 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 you like to show up in things. You like to act. My acting. Well. I tell, tell you, man, the scene in, you know, like, I didn't know who, who you were when I saw Lost in America. I don't know who you were then. I wasn't in show business. <laughs> it's one of the best scenes in the world. Wow, well, thank you. And man. Albert Brooks and you, it was just, yeah. that was hilarious. And now how how did he cast you in that? He, he, Rob, Ryan and my sister Penny were
3: married right, for sure. a brief time. Yeah. And they had the best parties in Hollywood. Yeah. And I would go to them and Albert, all the funny people would be there. Yeah. And Albert said to me once I need you, he says. You talk like a gangster. He says, I need somebody nobody knows. Yeah. Nobody knows you. Yeah. I said, no, yeah, no yeah, particularly. Yeah. And so he cast me as the casino owner, and they thought I was the casino owner. And he directed me, and you know we did like 17 takes. And he didn't write it all. I must say, again, this random stuff. That picture, Albert wrote with Jerry Belson's sister. No kidding. No kidding, Monica Johnson, Miss Jerry Belson's kid sister. It all comes around. It does come around, but we had a good time. He, That's I, I like, enjoyed that, that, that
0: the The line where you go, we're finished talking. <laughs> <laughs> was, uh, oh, make, I watch so it once a Do you? Yeah. How's I it laugh? hold up? Pretty good, Pretty right? Pretty good
3: makes me laugh, yeah. Santy Claus. That's what Monica yeah, yeah, Johnson means, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Claus. <laughs>
0: Anyway, we had,
3: Albert Brooks is—I another great genius.
0: And you, you oh, he is, yeah. And you did, well, you did a lot of acting, and people see. I bet you that's where a lot of the funny people started to, you know, to that was your big break as an actor in <laughs> the funny act- stuff, right? Yeah,
3: well, I I do like it, and I, I it sounds corny, but I like to act. And I try to act just before I direct because I remember them when an actor goes through right, right, and where they're vulnerable and where they're not. And I must say I spend as much time before action, before and after cut as I do between action. Yeah, and yeah, cut. yeah. Because you want to know what's going on, and I sure. know how I felt.
0: And you did uh, well. Yeah, I mean we can't go through everything, but you <laughs> did work with my friend Louis, and you did too. Louis, two... oh, he was great. Yeah, and you, you know, did know too.
3: how stupid I am. I. Can't always keep up, and this guy called me, and he said, "Hello, Louis C.K." I said, "Hi." He says, "You play bosses." I said, "Yeah, I have a suit, a tie." (laughs) He says, "So I want you to be on my show." I asked my son, yeah. who shoots all my second unit, he shoots all the yeah. stuff. I said, who is Louis C.K.? Yeah, And my son, he's the greatest, yeah, he's yeah. the greatest. And I went, I met him, and I really liked him. We had a great time, yeah. He's quite funny. And the new movie's out? The new movie? Mother's I, Day. Mother's Day.
0: All right, well, it was great talking to you. Yeah, yeah. well, I like sitting, chatting, I yeah. could tell stories about it. You got minute. another one? You got another one that we didn't that you like to tell that you didn't tell?
3: I was trying to say because I'm a little. I, you do dirty jokes, I sure. Can't tell it. You can I'm do not it. Dirty. Go ahead. I just Robin Williams uh-huh. loved to do dirty stuff, yeah, which we had to cut out, but yeah. he did it. But yeah. what he loved to do is tell riddles uh-huh. to Pam Dawber, and it would be dirty, and she would blush. You know, yeah, Pam Dawber. Yeah, was yeah, a yeah sure. So one day the writers found out what joke he was going to say, uh-huh. and they told her the punchline. So he goes out in the middle of the scene. He says, what happens when you cross a donkey with an onion? And the guys told, Pam, and Pam said, you get a piece of ass that'll make your eyes water. <laughs> and that's the only time I saw Robin <laughs> speechless. He looked around stunned what <laughs>
0: so that was one of my favorite
3: robin stories may he rest in peace
0: yeah well thank you for for sharing all this stuff and it was great to see you again well, good to see you i forgot it's now right. i'll remember you, this interview you'll remember this one i will thank you gary thank you Take so much. care. that was fun you know, most people get sweeter as they go. Yeah, as they get older. Yeah, a lot of people. Like I'm seeing that in my own life. But uh, what a sweet guy, funny guy, good stories. He, he, it's, he has that great accent. Great talking to him. Go to WTFPod.com for all the uh, WTF Pod needs. Go to WTFPod.com/slash/tour for uh, the Trippany link for my shows in May and June at the Trippany House in Los Angeles at the uh, Steve Allen Theater. And uh, anything else you want might want, check out the new site. Very exciting. Very exciting. The site that Squarespace made us. Ali Wong on Thursday. Her new special is fucking awesome. All right?
2: Boomer lives!